a scene, brother. Uh, yeah, we're a scene, exactly. All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best, you got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. As we ended episode one of Dress to Kill, I thought, you know, we need to get somebody who was there besides me to talk about Dress to Kill, and we're going to take a few moments and speak to our good friend, Mr. Bill Starkey, the general of the KISS Army. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. I am fantastic, Ken. Glad to be here. Glad to be anywhere. Absolutely. Any, any, any day above ground, right, Gene? Absolutely, Bill. But anyway, take us back to the time when you were a, a much younger fan, although those many years ago, and your impressions on Dress to Kill. Okay, I enjoyed listening to your guys' take on the uh, Dress to Kill course. First off, I, I love the album cover. I love the title. It was a departure from the, 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 the kind of stuff you saw, the, the cover from the first two albums. I don't know that I hold it in as high regard as you guys do because... Because the production is so weak, you hardly hear the drums. You could tell it was it was done on the quick. And not to say the songs aren't great. If the songs would have been produced better, it might have um, it might have been an even better album. You know what's unique is that when it came out in March, I saw them in April, and I was trying to think back as to what songs they played from that album at the time, and I think maybe. I'm almost sure Come On and Love Me was played, and um, I'm not even sure if Rock and Roll All Night was played, which which is, which is funny because now when we think of that album, we think of Rock and Roll All Night and, and it coming off that the studio album, but I'm not even sure that it was played um, at the concert in April. But, you know, like I said, <clears throat> it starts off with, with, um, with, with, uh, with you know, to me, Rock Bottom stood out as the song, the song that I really liked on side one. And, of course, Room Service was a great opener. Kiss just knows how to do those great opening songs in my book. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Two-Timer, Two-Timer to me was just unusually different. It was slow, low-key. I liked it because it had kind of like a Rolling Stones vibe to it, somewhat like, like a honky-tonk woman or something. Which yeah. I couldn't see something like that being done live, but, but I liked it. And, of course, then... Ladies in Waiting came in, and it was probably my my second favorite on side one. And I think it was uh, it might have even been played in the April show, even more over rock and roll uh, all night. That was kind of cool. But um, it was just funny how none of us recognized, or none of us in the Kiss Army recognized rock and roll all night as the hit. Like, you know, when you get an album, everybody goes, man, I really like this one song, or I really like that one. Nobody, none of us ever thought about rock and roll all night. I mean, we all had, it might have been Room Service, or Come On and Love Me, or Rock Bottom, or something like that. We really didn't start to call the radio stations the time Dress to Kill came on at the time because I think we were just kind of doing a wait-and-see thing to see, well, maybe this might be the album that the program directors kind of open up to. So that's where we were kind of, that's where we kind of stood then. Wow. Now, let me ask you a question. You mentioned the cover Mm -hmm. and it being a departure. What did you think? Because a lot of KISS fans are seeing this now... 40 some years into it or 30 some years or whatever into it however long they've been a fan this album's probably been around as long as a lot of people have been alive and i i think you could tell by the album to us we could see that the band had a sense of humor something that we probably didn't see in the first two albums 
the first two albums, the Kiss came off so dark. And when you listen to the to the way that Hotter Than Hell was produced, which kind of went right along with that, Dressed to Kill with the cover and the title kind of showed us that there was a sense of humor here, something that we really didn't see off the first two albums because there was there was just this strange mystique about the band from the first two albums and and we never did know what to make of the of the, the album the hotter than hell artwork or anything with that. I mean we couldn't understand the Japanese connection for a band that still wasn't even popular here but when you saw Dress to Kill you saw that they had a sense of humor of course again we lived off Cream magazine and we saw the tie-in with um, you know the Kiss Saves the World uh, comic strip and all that but Dress to Kill showed us that, that there was a sense of humor here about what they were doing. Well, Bill, I want to thank you for stopping by the podcast headquarters. And uh, as always, we always welcome to, to have you on the show. And uh, we, we love having you be part of this thing and be one of our contributors. And we look forward to having you on the show more in the future. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's great. It's great to be included in it. I loved your discussion yesterday. I was listening to it and... Um, I don't. I can't help. It. I just love you guys because you got such a sense of humor. The stuff about the happy gene and all that just—that's what makes this fun. Is you know we don't take any of it too seriously. You know. It's just a band. It is. It is just a band. You know, and I I like it when fans just get together and talk about this because because I learn stuff. I learn stuff that other people's opinions, other guys that you had on there were saying some stuff that I thought, oh wow, I never thought about it from that way. Well, who so, ever you know, knew that thing was called George? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know what's funny? How how you guys, how you guys liked the CD? Um, I, I it's probably out of the first three, it's probably number three for me. Uh-huh. I I love the first album for some reason. The first album was just really cool rock and roll. Really wasn't a heavy metal thing, you know. Then uh-huh. of course, Hotter Than Hell came out, and it was just so bizarre and dark. And of course, the production was really bad, but it it helped as far as the the guitars and all that kind of stuff. It helped. It, you know, enhance that sound. Whereas, it, you took all of that away. If you notice on Dress to Kill, there's not even any reverb. Right. And if you're a, a right. guitarist or, you know, and you know you mess with mics and all that, there's no reverb at all on Dress to Kill. Mm-hmm. It's like they couldn't afford it or something. <laughs> Cost no, extra really. to have the reverb on. Think about it, how much different that album could sound if it was redone, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, to me, I, as as you know, by listening to Side One... Uh, yeah, I just love the clarity of the production. I think that, you know, like Craig Cohen said, there's something about the production on Hotter Than Hell that it, it kind of belongs to that album. And, oh, definitely. But there's definitely. a part of me that would still love to hear that clarity because the performances are there. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of buried in the mix, but in its own bizarre way, that's part of the charm. The, the advantage I have that you guys didn't is I was listening to these albums in sequence, uh-huh. So we were, we were, whereas you guys are going back in time, it was funny to sit there in study hall and talk about, you know, what was your favorite songs off there? And only one guy I remember actually mentioned Rock and Roll All Night. And that was not even, and didn't even register with any of us. We kept thinking, oh, really, that's the song you like? I mean, it was the last song maybe, but we just didn't look at it as anything other than just, just than that. Um, I like Rock it, Bottom. Yeah, and, and when you think about that song changed how kiss would write from then on oh yeah but you know what i'll do i do remember this when my buddy in study hall had made the comment he goes you know i really like that rock and roll night then he made the comment he goes yeah when whenever the stanley and simmons guys collaborate on a song it's a pretty good song well see back in then we we didn't know 
Stanley from Simmons as much as Paul, Gene, Peter, and Ace. Uh-huh. And we weren't really sure who was doing what. Like, I couldn't tell that, you know, Peter was doing the vocals on Getaway, which was pretty good. Right. To me, Peter's vocals on Nothing to Lose are the greatest. I don't, I don't care. No matter how many times I listen to uh, Nothing to Lose, and, and when that 40th CD came out this this past month, I thought it was cool that they opened up with Nothing to Lose. Because yeah. Peter's vocals on there were just killer. By the way, we should mention that you were thanked in that compilation. Oh, absolutely. Well, not only that, they were they were thanking the Starkey family, which was kind of cool. I mean, it wasn't just me. It was my family that was being brought into it this time. So that, that was kind of cool. I'm looking to get that in, in LP just so that I can say, hey, I'm in an actual Kiss album other than, <laughs> Kiss, other than Kiss Originals. Right, right, right. Because Kiss and Originals is like a novelty thing. I mean, you can still get it, but, you know. I'll never forget the day Bill O'Coin came up to me in St. Louis and gave me the album and gave me a big hug and said, hey, look, you're famous. And I thought, wow, I'm in a Kiss album. As a matter of fact, as of this recording right now, the Originals album is 38 years old. Wow. And I got it in summer of 76, I believe, from Bill. I was in St. Louis to see the band at two, two nights at Keel Auditorium. And back in those days, I actually got to go to the hotel room, thanks to John Hart. And that's when Bill was there and... Um, I got my, my album from Bill. It was kind of cool. This is Bill Starkey, Commander-in-Chief of the KISS Army. You're listening to Podkist. And now get ready for the discussion of Side 2 of the KISS album, Dress to Kill. Welcome back to your Podkist. You're joined by Gary Schaller. Hello. Chris Karam. Howdy, y'all. BJ Cramp. Yo. Craig Cohen. Hello. And uh, it's time to play hooky with the Wookiee. It's Matt the Cat Porter. <laughs> Hello, Kiss Army. And I am, of course, Ken Mills. Yes, you're stuck with me again as we discuss side two of Dress to Kill, an album that was only 30 uh, minutes and seven seconds. We're making two whole episodes out about it. So You know, you know what? One question, and you can edit this out, but in that headliners book, yeah. If you if if you ever if you go back and look at it, and you can cut this out. You ever notice there's a picture of Gene with the microphone stand in his mouth? Like he actually has the microphone stand. He's holding a microphone stand yes. in his mouth. Yeah. You ever see him do that? Like I've never seen video or anything. I know I don't know if that's a photo shoot or what that is, but I've never seen him do it in a concert. No, but it's there's amazing. There's a photo of that. And he's right. and in fact there's like a it's a sequence of pictures like three or four in a row, almost like a flip book, and he drops the microphone stand out of his mouth. I think he spits yeah. it out. I think. But I mean, yeah, have the you pictures ever seen any bootleg or anything of that? No, no, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I've seen, we've all seen him, I think, like chomp off the, the foam cover. Yeah. For the, yeah, but no, like, listen, look, I love that book, and the, not least of all because the pictures in that book are not, are, they, they've got a vibe all their own, and I don't see that stuff anywhere else. But you're right. I mean, that is noteworthy. It's, Somebody, it's really yeah, maybe weird. Track, track down John Swenson that wrote that. I mean, oh, you know, that's a great interview. You're right. That'd be cool. Good idea, Matt Porter. Hey, there you go. I got a million of them. Yep. <laughs> All right, it's time to flip the album over. Everybody get ready. Hold on tight. It's kind of like on the Star Trek show where the everybody wiggles in their seats for a while. So here we go. <laughs> there we go. And we are on side two of Dress to Kill. First song, Come On and Love Me, BJ Cramp. Great melody. The lyrics crack me up. Uh, just Paul Stanley having fun, and I don't know how you could listen to this song and not crack a smile. You know, it's it's just a fun pop song. It's great. 
You know, people always slag the lyrics, but I love the lyrics to this song. I love them, too. Even I... the Capricorn, Cancer, you know, yeah, the great. dancers. I love it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. The best is you were distant. Now you're nearer. Yeah. <laughs> they are, they are tongue-in-cheek. I believe they are. I believe they are tongue-in-cheek lyrics. I believe that you're la- like I've said before. I think you're laughing with Paul, not at yes. him on lyrics like this. I I think they're just they're meant to be funny, mm-hmm. you know, it, to a certain extent. The song was written in less than an hour. Craig according, talked uh, according to uh, Paul. On part one. He talked about. I think Craig, you mentioned like uh, the what if of forty fives. Like if Kiss had been a sixties rock band they would have released uh singles right yeah really released singles where they weren't necessarily album cuts like british bands did okay and i think that uh they what they wrote back here in this part of history they wrote singles and boy is this a single it's perfect it's my favorite song on the album it's amazing why is it your favorite song on the album craig i think i think overall the playfulness of the lyrics i think as a band they're all just really really um all gelling together and i think it's one of the strongest choruses on the album not counting like uh, rock and roll all night hmm. and the it, the mix of jeans and paul's voices together works the video is also terrific very cool very cool matt porter well that's i'm a capricorn as well so i always had a certain love for this song um and yeah i think i think it's even though people say the lyrics are goofy or whatever i think it's a sexy song i mean obviously he's coming on to some good looking girl i always thought the line good looking and looking like you should be good just was was brilliant i mean in its own way and uh yeah i think i think it's a great song i i worked at a strip club and there was a girl named robin and she always used to call me batman and so it was Batman <laughs> Robin. And she would dance to She, Heaven's on Fire, and this song. And she'd always like... She she had the loudest clicking fingers I've ever heard in my life. Because the place could be amped up with music. And you could hear her every time she snapped her fingers as she was dancing. And just always will have fond memories of Batman and Robin from nice. the Wooden Keg in Meadville. Pennsylvania. So there did you try and pick her up by going, I'm Ken Nichols? No, I never did. I'm Batman. <laughs> but I did have a really cool 94 Teal uh, Mustang. It was awesome. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, this is one hell of a song. It's, it's a great fun song, and uh, I have nothing bad to say about it at all. Chris Karam. This is a great song. I mean, you talk about a song that's all Paul. I mean, not only did he write it, not only is it about, you know, him kind of reminiscing about someone or fantasizing about someone, but I believe he also does the lead guitar on this. Mm-hmm. As if legend or, you know, urban legends serve me right. Um, beyond that, one of the, I think it's definitely one of the, I don't want to say, I hate to say iconic, but I guess I'll say iconic early Kiss songs. Mm-hmm. Come on!
Our next track, Anything for My Baby. And Gary, why don't you take the lead on this one? Uh, I've said it before that there's various times in the past 10, 15 years where I've said that it's good to have Tommy Thayer involved in KISS. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons, one of the many examples of that is that he, I think he was the one who sort of resurrected this song and decided to put it on the box set, uh, wanted them to play it live. And um, that's thinking like a KISS fan right there because, uh -huh. I don't know, how, maybe I'm wrong, but how could you be a KISS fan and not love this song? <laughs> yep, I agree. I'm sorry. I know. I no. I, those are like fighting words. Let me rephrase that. Like, I find it difficult to understand what would make a Kiss fan not love the song, right? Okay, so like, I just for me, it's like, it, like the great intro, a harmony vocals with Paul just like you know nailing it over there, and oh man. The only thing I guess that you could complain about here's what here's how you could not love this song. There's not a guitar solo, okay, right. But besides that, man, it's just so fucking perfect. So, so Gary, should I n not say that I think this is filler? 
Look, it's really been nice having you on the show. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> so, Greg Cohn, what are your thoughts on anything for my baby? Um, I don't know. The the chorus just seems a little too on the nose for me. I guess it is a, a catchy song, but when I'm looking at this album, this really just feels like one of Paul's lesser works. And I guess when you talk about Paul Stanley as a songwriter, even his lesser works are going to be better than a 99% of the rock songs that people were writing uh, in the 70s. Matt Porter. See, I, I think this song really, it's funny that anything for my baby and love her all I can are separated by one song and basically seem about the same thing, yeah. which is that they were in a good relationship. And I think it's funny that, uh, you know, as we talked about rock bottom and how you could be so pissed off and you're in a breakup and you're smashing things. And, you know, this, on the other hand, is, wow, that sounds, you know, like a good time. You know, this girl sounds nice. And I think, obviously, uh, one of the things I like to think about is what were they writing about, you know, who was Paul in a relationship with? She sounds like, you know, they were, it was a nice, steady relationship. You know, you read his book, and it sounds like that's all he wanted was somebody that he could really maybe trust, and he, and he wasn't finding that anywhere. Isn't that what we all want anyway? Well, you know? Yeah, and I think, yeah. I think that that really comes through is the fact that, you know, they're looking, you know, he's looking for a relationship. And, you know, it, I, I really like that about this song, and even more about Love Her All I Can, is that these aren't, you know, a lot of people would accuse Kiss of being, you know, so terrible to women or this and that and the other. I think they all want the, you know, we all want the same thing as some, you know, somebody to be in a nice, uh, relationship with so uh -huh. well there's two uh things i'm going to mention and both involve mr speed uh, one of them is talking to andrew scambetti about the kiss cruise and uh when they started playing the, the the electric set they started out with this song and he thought they're playing rock and roll all night already you know because it's a similar right. drum pattern you know the other mr speed related story is the first time i saw mr speed was in a place called the dome in warren ohio the club uh, messed up, and they told the band to be there and be set up at a certain time and promoted the show as starting like an hour later. So there was probably 14 people in the club, and they're playing, and they know that I'm a Kiss fan. They could just tell, you know, because basically I brought like a van load of people with me, and we were pretty much the only people in the club, and everybody said, you know, who's, who's the Kiss fan amongst you? And, and they all pointed to me and they said well what would you like to hear and I said thinking no tribute band's going to be able to whip this one out I said anything for my baby one two three four ba -da -da, and boom they just went right into wow. it that's awesome and then he that's said great. okay what else and I said love her all I can and boom they just knocked it right out and then the place started filling up you know within like 30 minutes it was a bunch of people that just wanted to hear lick it up and stuff like that <laughs> but it was like my own little private kiss show so rich joe all the guys in mr speed just want to say hi and love you much love to you and that was the that was the when i met mr speed anyhow but uh, that's kind of my anything for my baby slash lover all i can story so chris karen the, the lead-off vocal by paul on this is just absolutely ferocious it basically screams hey i'm singing listen to me <laughs> and it draws you right in and like you know like Gary said because I was actually going to bring this up but I think you know Tommy Thayer when he put that box set together in 2001 was really the fan who you know the fans perspective at least at that point in time and I, it was really kind of cool that he they did put that on there and, you know because it's something that if Gene and Paul had been in charge of it or if they hadn't had somebody 
you know, telling them, no, 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 put this on, that it probably wouldn't have gone on there. So, mm -hmm. but you know, right. good song, a lot of attitude, and uh, Paul's just really just tears it up. And I love those drums as it's amping up towards the end. I sadly, Kiss didn't really repeat that again like that. BJ? Yeah, this is just a great, great song. And I think this song gets kind of lost in the shuffle on this album, even for me over the years. But when you just listen to this song on its own, it's so great. I mean, it's even a contender for being the best song on the record, I think. And it's ain't for my baby. And it's ain't for my baby. I would give. And it's ain't for my Yeah, I think it was really smart to put on the box set because I think it's it's easy to overlook this song and how great it is as just a pop single, you know? It's a great song. Well, I think that all of these songs are kind of, with the exception of Rock and Roll All Night, it's it's like the rest of the album is left in the dust. When's the last time they played She? I mean, think about it. Nine or ten, maybe? Yeah, they don't play that enough. But that's They that's, don't play it enough. It should be on every fucking concert. I'm sorry. <laughs> it should be at every freaking performance. Well, gee, why don't totally. we discuss She now? Gary. Hey, here's my thoughts on She. They don't play it enough. It should be at every freaking performance. I feel like when you listen to She on Kiss Alive, or for that matter, on Dress to Kill, what you're hearing is a song that is like, this is a moment. Oh, yeah. Okay, like, this is where you, like, this is where you almost, you almost sit down and it's not an insult to the band. You have to. It's like you're, you go weak in the knees and you're like, oh my god, I'm just be, I've just been punched in the face by rock and roll. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. And of Punch course, in the face by rock and roll. That sounds like a great lost song by some seventies. Punch on the, in the face by rock and roll. Yeah, it sounds Gary good. Gary Keller in the house. Uh huh. And of course, Ace borrows the solo from The Doors, five to one. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. Listen to the Doors now. Craig Cohen, you want to take this one? Yeah, this is one of those things where you can listen to a song that existed before Kiss, um, the Wicked Lester version, which has 
really kind of like a Jethro Tull feel to it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I really love the, the Wicked Lester version, but you can hear what makes Kiss Kiss by listening to both versions of, of this song. And I think um, the Kiss version is the definitive version of this song. And, and like Gary said, this is a song that they should play at every concert. BJ Cramp? Uh, we owe a big thanks to Neil Bogart for forcing them to make this album so fast because otherwise they probably would not have resurrected this song. And, you know, thank God they did because, yeah, the Wicked Lester version with all the flute and everything, it's good. But, you know, when they turned it into a Kiss song on Just to Kill, it's just amazing. And it probably never would have happened if they hadn't just needed to get this album done so fast and were looking for any songs, you know, to fill it up. So. Chris Karam. One of the great early Kiss songs and just great Kiss songs in general. Um, <clears throat> I'll never forget my 11-year-old self thinking that the line, you know, she takes off her clothes was, you know, it would induce giggles and I thought, ooh, this is provocative. Uh-huh. You know, you think about what, what they put in songs now. I mean, an 11-year-old kid would listen to this and go, wouldn't even, you know, think twice think about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah. But it's a great song. A great, you know, great driving riff and, and the, Jeth- the, the Jethro Tell analogy was something that I came up with as well when I heard when I first heard this on the uh, box set, the Wicked Lester version. I always call that the Jethro Tull remix version. <laughs> and that that's interesting. And that's interesting on its own terms. But this song really just drives it home in terms of that really nice, nasty, distorted, you know, guitar riffing by Ace. Um, and, and I forget where I heard this. It was one one of, the, one of the other Kiss podcasts where they someone said that they felt that she stands like like sore thumb and it doesn't belong on this album. And I'm sorry, but this song is definitely of this album, even though it may have been written, you know, for Wicked Lester a few years earlier. But and you know when you take this when you put this on a live it just net takes it to another dimension right so yeah this this song and watching you mm-hmm. to me always seem to go together Matt yep. Porter See I I love this song and I think in a way it's funny Chris when you talk about you know what did your 10 or 11 year old self think I mean this song seems mysterious and it's yeah. at the, I mean one of the things in the, in the, I love to go back and think about what did I think about when I first heard this I always pictured I think in a way maybe it was because like the start of Jaws or something, but it's a girl on a beach and it's like, and of course she's dropping her clothes off or something. I don't even really know. I mean, it's hard to really go back in your mind, but it's such a sexy groove. And mm-hmm. I think and it's, again, you're singing every guitar part as well. And I mean, the whole imagery, you know, the moonlight and the, you know, enchanted starlight, all that kind of stuff. And I think as you get older, you know, you realize that I know she's going down and wow, that's a good thing. And it's like, uh, uh, that's you know. Hopefully, she was going down in a good way, mm-hmm. <laughs> not a rock, not a rock bottom sort of way. Right, right. Everybody knows, and everybody knows. Uh-huh. We gotta, we gotta play this live version right here. Uh, I'll stand for no other. This is Detroit, nineteen seventy four. Thank you. 
Bye.
we have the flute intro ready. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> wow! It sounds it sounds just about as good. You know? <laughs> yeah, it says here. While she was initially recorded by Wicket Lester, the song dated back to Gene's Bullfrog Beer Band, and had been written by him and Stephen Cornell. Steve's input was that he initially came up with the signature riff. Gene then developed the piece into a full song, possibly recycling some early, earlier lyrical ideas. While the song is not overly complex, Gene recalled, I remember struggling with she. It was in my mother's basement. I was still going to school and I had this idea for a song. I wanted to call it She Walks by Moonlight. Because I remember a line from a movie called Hondo. It was some cowboy. He went up to some big Indian chief and goes, I want your daughter. The chief says, you may not have my daughter. The cowboy said, why not? The chief said, She Walks by Moonlight. That's the first line of the song. I didn't even know what it meant. I just loved the sound of it. Mm. So thank you, Hondo, for providing the inspiration for this very cool song it's one of um, the three it's one of the three uh, Wick, wicked lester songs on the on the box set our next track is love her all i can and we'll go to bj a brilliant song and probably the one moment in wicked lester where obviously they came closest to realizing what they were going to do later and kiss works perfectly as a kiss song and just a really great song just a little podcast history i know that there's a lot of kiss podcasts out there and they bring you a lot of great information about kiss but on the second episode of a show called the podcast which uh, aired in uh, 2007 some young fellow by the name of gary schaller played in an abner's laboratory thing uh, a song called open my eyes by naz and this guitar bass figure is ripped from this from from the song open my eyes by naz so of information brought to you from 2007 so gosh and that that very song opens the new episode of cheap talk where we interview stookie yes who was in nas yes nice you know you know what's cool is uh this is the genius of paul stanley here that like you could just imagine this kid listening to uh radio yeah uh, you know like to what what was it like the um firehouse the the english hour or the what do you call it what was it did he listen English to English Power Hour? Yeah, the English Power Hour, which had a bunch of uh, <clears throat> rock bands yeah. of the time from England. They, they, they focused on the Anglo <laughs> rock, if you will. Right, and you know, just the ge- yeah, and the genius of Paul Stanley to hear a song like this, probably one that he didn't have on forty five or on record, mm-hmm. and then just you know, hearing it in his head, grabbing a guitar and twisting it around just enough to make something perfect, beautiful, original, and timeless. I agree, Craig Cohen, and better. Um, this, this song for me is all about the the, the dual vocals between Paul and Gene. It, it might be one of the best um, blends of their voices. Um, they just work so well together on this song, and and that's really the, you know the standout for me on 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 this song. And you know you you could almost accept this as the the last song on the album if they didn't need to write an anthem and it needed to be at least a half hour. 
<laughs> Chris Karam? This is a, another great Wicked Lester remake. Um, and again, this goes back to the punk thing that I said earlier about this the energy and just a lot of drive. And this song, it's so tight. The bandage is so tight on this. And I don't know if they were ever this tight before or after it. It's one of those songs I know, I believe they revived it at some point in the last 10 years on one of the tours. And it was kind of interesting to hear it again or to see it. I didn't go see it live, but I saw a clip of it. And maybe they did it on the Kiss Cruise, but this is definitely one of those songs that, you know, you're getting towards the end of the album and they've still get that energy level going. You know, this... This, the one thing about this album is that the energy level never lags at any point. Right. It just goes along from, from strength to strength. And this is the, you know, the last uh, big thing before the big one that ends the album. See, I was going to say, again, this one, I think this is one of my favorite Kiss songs. And I think, as, you know, as Craig had mentioned, you know, you're hearing that dual vocal. Mm-hmm. You're hearing everybody firing on all cylinders on a song like this. You have the cowbell going. You have those awesome lead guitar parts. Uh, again, lyrically, I, I mean, it's funny. If you listen to my show, I've played this a bunch of times on the Kiss Room. I always dedicate it to my wife who puts yes. up with all my crap. You know, it's like... You know, the lines are easy to please and it doesn't take money. You know, she can have a good time when the skies aren't sunny. This is a nice girl you're glad to be in a good relationship uh-huh. with. Amen. Um, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's funny how a song like this, I think, stands out because of all those things. I mean, it really, again, even that, we're talking about the set list. I'd love to see them do this in the set list now. I think it'd be fantastic. I agree. Let's dedicate this episode to all the women in our lives that, that, that we go. do love all we can. That's right. And every chance we get, hopefully. <laughs> anyway. I guess the only way to describe it, these motherfucking diehards. So they've been with us since the 70s. So they have been with us since the 80s. The 90s. Doesn't matter when you come to the party, just as long as you come. So we'll stick with the older stuff. Here's one off. Just to kill. When you have 30, 40 albums, you get it all mixed up. But this is off the third one.
this this song just cooks. It's it's everywhere. The the where the song goes back into the solo and then those uh, Gary's uh, patented blata 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 parts. Uh, just the the drum. It's there's nothing lazy about this song. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell they were on, but God, I wish every band was on this because wow, it's just killer, killer, killer yeah, track. Yeah, and, and Matt pointed out the. Um the cowbell, which is something I, I had remembered wanting to mention when I listened to this album uh, the other night, but um, the rhythm that Peter does on that cowbell is yes. so so like it's almost like odd, but it fits. Mm-hmm. Well, that's some of that uh, jazz type swing uh, vibe that he brings yeah, to it. Yeah, it's, know it's I mean? excellent. It's kind of on the upbeat as opposed to the downbeat. So Right, right, okay. It's kind of cool. Again, that, that, that interplay with the drum, it's you don't get much better than that. I'm going to play just a little bit of the studio track because I just think it's so damn awesome. I can't believe I swore it's into the swear jar. Hold on a second. <laughs> okay. How many quarters did you put in there? I don't know, but damn, damn, damn. Yeah, hey, what do you think? Is this a history science theater episode? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I was I, I was just buying those guys some. I love we love you, Kistory Science Theater. Kistory Science Theater, the most civilized. Yeah. Oh, f- <laughs> oh, f- <laughs> come on. Respectful. Just imagine Gene with like, like a with like a washtub base. Boom, 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 boom. And serious. No way. Excuse me, Bob. You're gonna come over and do my album. <laughs> Kiss podcast on the web. History Science Theory. We bust balls because we can. And Gary, anything you want to say about this one? Love all I can. Mm-hmm. What 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 a what a powerhouse! I agree. Yeah. I agree. Just unbelievable. And that I mean that wraps it up. I'm so glad we talked about Dress to Kill. Wait yeah, a no. second. Hold on. There's yeah. there's one Perfect. last song that. Well, good night, everybody. It's really great talking to everybody we want kiss we and, want the uh, last song on the album you no know, i think this this album just ends perfectly wait a second there's one song <clears throat> we want kiss anyway. <laughs> that's our show thanks again for listening be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com <laughs> so our next track <laughs> rock and roll night gary why don't you take this one People, there's bad news in the world. <laughs> USA. USA. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing with rock and roll all night, okay? Um, it, you, you know, it's the dividing line. You either like Kiss, you get it, or you don't. And I don't like to be black and white about things. Like I, I like makeup. I'm not. I'm usually not that black and white about shit. It's just that it's either an eye rolling song where you go, Ugh, or it gets you a little choked up and you say, "Yeah, this is this this band wrote the soundtrack to my life, mm-hmm. and and um, made me happy when I really super needed it, and made me even happier when I was already feeling good, and." I don't. I don't know. This song kind of is. The, it's the opening credits and closing credits to the best show in the world. It's. Uh-huh. Um, it's a happy, familiar friend and a hug and a, a pat on the back and it's wonderful. Matt Porter. Yeah, I really. I. I have to agree. I think to me, just those opening drum beats, 
you know, it will always put a smile on my face, no matter what's going on. I think that it's one of those things where now, more than ever, maybe people have heard it too much. You know, you read people saying, oh, they should drop it from the set list. Hell no. And I would, I would say, look, I just, I need to see it when, they, when I see them live. You know, all the confetti, all that kind of stuff. I think everybody, no matter where they are in their life, has either wanted to rock and roll all night and party every day or probably it would kill them if they did at this point. You know, look, it's still one of the greatest songs. And it's, I mean, some people will say, oh, well, if that's your favorite song, you must not really be a Kiss fan. But it's the one song out of the entire catalog. I think you could go anywhere on the planet. People know just at least the chorus. Like, if you said, oh, do you know a Kiss song? They know, I want to rock and roll all night. And you know what? There's nothing more fun to sing along with. It's just, it's still the real deal. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's how many times do you really catch a song that is become so universal, speaks to so many people. And I think, obviously, I wish that the studio album had the guitar solo on it. I don't know why they cut that out. But uh, it's... It's still one. I think it's still one of the greatest Kiss songs. No matter if you're sick of it or not, uh, I love it. I wonder if they even had just really quick. Oh, Oh, I think we're about to say the same thing. You go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't think they cut it out. I don't. I just don't imagine they didn't have a guitar solo yet. Well, even that. I mean, you figure obviously by the time they did a live, they had and a lot of the stuff that they were playing. You would have thought they might have played through. And Ace would have said, "Well, don't you think this song needs a solo?" I mean, I'm going to go even like just on a little sidetrack. I mean, I mean, obviously the the intro to this, Paul will usually do that intro, but I think it was 2009 where he went through that long intro about you know people. There's bad news in the Uh world, bad news on the television, blah blah blah. And I think the whole idea that they've always had that the kiss show is that legal high you know you can be in there and leave all your problems in the parking lot like it doesn't matter what's going on that when this comes on and plus i think it really is a time for everybody in the place that you all want to feel the same thing you know you all want to be able to rock and roll all night and it's and that interaction in the lyrics between the band and the fans and us as kiss army or whatever i really still think it's the rallying cry of kiss i just got out of the shower (laughs) anyway sing me sing me a little rock and roll Wanna rock and roll all night and party every day. I wanna rock and roll all night and party every day. It's amazing. Anyway, I'm gonna do a jazz version of that song. I've already decided that is spectacular, and I'll debut it right here on the show, and everybody will listen, and we'll put it on iTunes, and we'll all go by. Oh, I don't know if we can do that. Gene Simmons is like, "Where's my sixty-five percent?" Right, yeah. Probably. Podcast Rock City. What's up, everybody? Joe here from Podcast Rock City. Join me each and every week as I give you my opinion on all the KISS topics and news of the week. I talk about every era of KISS with a number of guest hosts from all your favorite KISS podcasts. Check the show out on iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, and YouTube. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Podcast Rock City, your 20-minute kiss fix. Thank you. 
far, and we're gonna say it again. You people are number one! And here's a song, here's a song we wrote while we were in Detroit. We wrote it for Detroit. Rock and roll all night, party every day.
Chris Karam. Well, Neil Bogart told them to write an anthem, and damn it, they did. And it's obviously the song that's become their defining song, their signature song. I mean, even people who don't like Kiss like Rock and Roll All Night. And, you know, I, I, I'm probably one of those people who falls into that, you know, I'm kind of sick of it. You know, maybe because I've only heard it 20 gazillion times. But you know what? When you get right down to it, a classic, and it deserves to be one of the great rock and roll songs of all time, regardless of the fact that it's Kiss, or, you know, in spite of the fact, because, you know, certain people, you know, still to this day, you know, go look, at, look down their nose at Kiss, like Rolling Stone, or, you know, some people who think that they know better than everybody else. But, what you know, it's an anthem, it's their signature song, and and it really set, you know, the stage for the the live version, which, of course, you know, adds the guitar solo and really takes it to another level, but you couldn't have had that if they hadn't done this version first. BJ Cramp. Yeah, this song is just a magic moment, very similar to me to the song Without You by Badfinger, where one guy had the verse, one guy had the chorus, and put them together, and holy shit, it's just simpatico, it's just perfect, it's just like a magic moment, you know? Yeah, it's a it's an amazing song, and and I just really love the the idea that Gene had the verse, Paul had the chorus, and there you go. Craig Cohen, Craig, you you've been on the show uh, before, and you have a podcast called the Tricorder Transmission. Yeah. If you're ever held by Klingons and there's a batleth at your neck, and they're going to blast you in the back of the head, and you may not be able to speak the same language they do, if you start singing rock and roll all night they might start singing it too and let you live you know what i'm saying <laughs> this is the quote unquote universal appeal of this song i hear kiss fans say that they should stop playing this song i say no i say bullshit they say right. that uh, the song's had its moment and this song will never end its moment with me there would not be a podcast had there not been this song there'd be no kiss fact there'd probably be no Kiss Room. Let's, let's right. be honest. Our uh, record collections may not include any Kiss albums had this not happened. Because this this was the end of Kiss. Had this not taken off on a live, this is it, folks. I actually made my girlfriend's son a CDR with 12 different versions of Rock and Roll Night on it. There you go. <laughs> he, loves a song. he loves a song. When I told him, and we were driving home one time from somewhere, and I said, yeah, I probably got about at least 12 different versions on my iPod. And the next thing you know, he grabs the iPod, and he, and he pulled up every one of them on the, for the ride. We had quite a, like, a long ride home from this uh, family thing one time. Do so I made him a CDR of it. Like I said, we would not be here. And to me, a Kiss concert without Rock and Roll Night just wouldn't seem right as weird as it sounds and I may not want to uh, hear come on come on come on everybody clap your hands and all that stuff but I want to hear this song at a Kiss concert I don't care if it's the shorter version the longer version whatever to me it's just not a Kiss show without it and if if you've seen Rock and Roll Night too many times then maybe Kiss is not the band for you that's all I'm going to say Mm -hmm. And also, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big supporter of spelling night N-I-T-E. I love that. Right, right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to. Yeah, like, I agree. capital letters. I agree. Um, well, how did this album do on the charts, Gary? Peaked at number 32 on the U.S. charts. It was later certified gold by the RIAA on February 27th, 1977. There were two singles released, Come On and Love Me and Rock and Roll Night. A live version of Rock and Roll Night from Alive was released a single as a single later that year and reached number 12 on the singles chart. 
Uh, what was the B side to "Come On and Love Me"? Getaway. Yes. Was it Getaway? Yes. And and rock and roll all night. I, and I, I knew Getaway. I, I couldn't remember which song had Getaway as the B side, which is yeah. Getaway awesome. was the B side on Rock and Roll All Night as well. Yes. Wow. Ah. <laughs> they were really. That's weird. Been that song. One, you better put my fucking song. <laughs> you, better, you ball bag motherfucker. You better put that song. Yeah. <laughs> That's a shout out to History Science Theater, who do it much better than I ever will. There's one performance that I want to play some from, and you can put this up on YouTube, but I'm just going to play some of it anyway. Uh, to me, this is my kiss, and it's Kiss on Midnight Special. And damn, that that performance always gets me. I'll never forget Gene falling down to his knees and playing that bass part. And it just seemed like the evil that was Kiss uh, dripped out the floor and found me sitting there in front of the TV as I watched that midnight special performance. So amazing. So amazing. That is oh, great. One other, one other little thing about rock and roll all night. I have, a, I have some kind of a Kiss zine, zine that I got at some point where there's a comic strip in there that somebody drew and uh, they have Kiss singing this song and they wrote the lyrics, I want to rock and roll all night and part of every day. Yeah, and of course, there's this. Kiss? Are you kidding? No. God. I love Kiss. No one loves Kiss. Paul Stanley is sick of Kiss. Whoa! Don't diss the Star Child. Hey, don't get me wrong, alright? I like to rock and roll all night. Part of every day. Party every day. Rock and roll all night. Party every day. I like to rock and roll part of every day. Party every day. I usually have parents. I can, I'll, I can rock and roll for like one to three. Who are these clowns? Kiss? You don't know who Kiss is? No. Never heard of them. They look like idiots to me. No, no, no. Dude, these are four of the smartest guys who ever lived. They're these Jewish guys that grew up in New York, and they put on guitars and makeup to get girls, and all their songs are about fucking. I'm listening. Seriously, this song is called Love Gun, and it's about Paul Stanley's dick. Now this girl's gonna get some of his dick. Cool. I don't know Jews could sing like that. No, no, they couldn't at the time. That's why they had to dress like clowns. This got them girls? Get this. They've been getting pussy nonstop for 30 years. They're probably fucking right now. They're old dudes. They put makeup on and it's all good. No shit. You pull the trigger of mine. Love gun. See, Ronnie, as thick as the gun. That's going to be where I play the thing from Role Models, which is, has become a great... Uh, Soundbite, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just one of those great moments it's a great movie. people will recite all the time. and We all mm-hmm. love to quote our movies, don't we, guys? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, BJ, give it to me, Roman Maroney. <laughs> in front of Congress. And now, BJ Cramp in a artistic interpretation of the great Roman Maroney's scene where he speaks before Congress, and we dedicate this to anybody who thinks that Kiss should stop playing rock and roll all night live. Take it away, BJ. You lousy corksuckers. You have violated my farkin rights. This summon a botching country was founded so that the liberties of common, patriotic citizens, like me, could not be taken away by a bunch of farkin' ice holes like yourselves. Thank you. Oh my god, I'm about to watch that movie again. Knock down that wall, knock down that wall, and knock down that farkin' wall. 
love it when he says he was guilty of slaughtering uh, thousands of people in the English language or something like that. Oh it's really God. damn close. Hold on a second. You hear it? Oh, shoot. I'm listening to the... Uh, I'm watching it on YouTube. Damn, you really nailed it, though. Oh, BJ's performance? Oh, it's unbelievably close. I mean, it really. I haven't seen this for ages, but God, is that close. Did Kiss do anything after this record? No. <laughs> no, they, they were never heard from again. Of course, alive. You should probably suggest that now, that with Rock and Roll Night as the last song on this version of the podcast, is that everybody has to clean up the confetti in their rooms. But hey, that's all right. <laughs>
Craig, BJ, uh, promote your shows. Yes, yeah, so I have um, an, an excellent show that I do with Jeff Hewlett, who's on Zilch with us, Ken, and it's called The Tricorder Transmissions, and what we do is each week we take an episode of Star Trek The Original Series, and we provide a scene-specific commentary track for it. So you can find all the information about us over at the TricorderTransmissions.com. And if I could, I'd also like to throw in a quick little plug for a side podcast that I do once a month with uh, my friend Jeff Hewlett and oh, yeah. my buddy Jeff Ferry, and it's called Slycast. And mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're looking at Stallone's career, Sylvester Stallone's career, from the very beginning to current day. And um, it's 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 a blast. Check it out. I really it's recommend a, it, it. It's a if, lot of fun. It, it's, if you're uh, a we fan call of it Stallone, a, a celebration and analysis. So you're not going to get us dogging any of his movies, including yeah. Rhinestone. Yep, including Rhinestone. What about Cobra? <laughs> yeah, it's it's there. It's there. BJ Cramp. Friends of the show, Decibel Geek Podcast. We are, everybody probably knows they do Kissmas in July, every July. And I write for the Decibel Geek blog, so I'm going to be doing a series called Six Degrees of Kiss, where we ask the listeners of the Decibel Geek to suggest any band or artist they want, and I will connect them to Kiss in six steps or less. So that's going to be... I'm going to try to do one a day in July on the at the Decibel Geek blog, and then also at my podcast, Rock and or Roll, to celebrate Kiss in July, I'm doing a, doing a two-part episode called Kiss Connections, where I'm going to be playing all songs that are connected to Kiss in some way. So it's going to be a fun month of July for Kiss fans. So whenever you're hearing this, go search it out. Yeah. Matt Porter. I just want to send a shout-out to all the Kiss Army. Obviously, if you made it through two hours of us talking about a 30-minute album, you know, obviously we're speaking to the diehard fans. If you know about the podcast, and obviously if you're a diehard fan, you probably know about the Kiss Room. That's my show. Uh, I really want to thank a lot of the people that have been sending us fantastic feedback. It's nice to hear that people enjoy what we do. Obviously, like I said, if you're listening to this right now, you're you're somebody that's a diehard fan. You're looking for everything, and uh, that's the people that are really hanging in with these podcasts, the people that really, I think, care the most. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me on again. This was always a blast, and now I'm going to go clean the confetti out of the Kiss Room from doing rock and roll night and don't forget down the cleavages of your shirts ladies so (laughs) we will get that well thank you for listening thanks everyone for being on the show it's excellent to actually talk about a record that is so i'll use the word iconic like chris said right i think just such a perfect record and and i couldn't think of uh nicer guys to talk about this record with so thanks so much and see you back here next time all right see you guys later Bye. Bye. bye all right i gotta go too okay And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, 
Thank you for listening to Podkiss, the Kiss fanzine for your ears.